Oscar Poker. That's my <laughs> that's my cat okay. digging his claws into the back of my leather office chair. Isn't ah, that <laughs> really loud? Isn't that lovely? <laughs> so it's a funny story, Sasha. I think I, I bumped into Jeff after uh, a screening of The Descendants, but I'm not uh, sure if you recognized me. Oh no! You kind of, you seem kind of bewildered, Jeff. Did you did you know that was me that, that came up to you after the the screening? Uh, you know, Frel, I didn't realize for some stupid reason. I don't know. <laughs> well, we only met once in, uh, when we saw Rabbit Hole. I don't and know. I don't think I had any facial hair then. So. I don't know. <laughs> because I, I went up and started talking to you, and I, you seemed just kind of confused. And, I, I, you know, it was weird. But so. were my eyes uh, uh, doing sort of, uh, you know, uh, like the Godzilla eyes with, uh, with you know, was it... Did I have um, a look of zero comprehension? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I mean, I just came up, I, you know, I was with Ed uh, from Coming Soon. And we walked up to you after the screening and we were talking to you. And, and I remember that. Got, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that was me. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, poor Jeff. Yeah. He's, he just works too hard. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's like I said, we only met a year ago, so I don't, I don't, uh, it was just funny. Yeah, and there's so many, so many. It's so hard to. Um, it is funny though, <laughs> but it's hard to keep people straight. You know, like um, when I'm out there, I, I hardly ever go meet people. But when I do, it's always really like. Sometimes they, most of the time, they don't recognize me because nobody really knows what I look like. You know, um, but so they don't recognize me. But they, I sometimes recognize them. Like I went and I saw a screening of uh, Rampart. And you know, almost everybody who walked in there I recognized, but I'm too, always too shy to say hi to them. <laughs> and Jeff isn't like he'll always say hi, and everybody always knows him, you know. Yeah. So, um, but he, so many people come up to him and say hi. I bet it's just at some point it's hard to <laughs> to keep everybody straight. <laughs> if uh, if I was um, <clears throat> registering a uh, bewildered, confused, uh, clueless vibe, why didn't you just go Phil and point to yourself? I don't know, because it was it was one of those things where I wasn't sure. You know, I'm like, does, does he know it's me? And well, better I, I, ask. It's safer not to say anything. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know when the next time that'll happen. Because I mean, are you going to be in LA for a while now? Or? You don't say anything either. Just just keep it going. <laughs> keep on this uh, on this jag, you know. Oh. Yeah. So, how's everything going, guys? What do you think of The Descendants, Phil? He loved, I loved it. it. I don't think I'll see a better movie this year, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I was 
head over heels for it, really. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's perfect in my mind. I, I there's yeah. It's I think it's Alexander Payne's best movie by far. Yeah, it's, me too. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, big things I think. I, I you know. Everybody, um, I was talking to Ed Douglas, who had, I, I think had seen it for the first time, and he's, and I said to and him. And Phil was standing there, right there. Standing there. <laughs> <laughs> next to you the whole time. <laughs> well, I was sitting next to Ed, and he said it was his second time with it. Oh, I was realize. Okay. Yeah, and he said he wasn't that crazy me, about it. Me, that's my third time, and I held up the uh, fingers and said, no, too, you know. Yeah. And then we, so we all agreed that Robert Forster, amongst everybody else, was really, had really... Uh, two excellent scenes, and he was, um, and that wonderful moment when he says to Clooney, you know, he's, he's, he's badgering him and, 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 and taking him down, he says, you know, you, you didn't buy her a boat, you could have been nicer to her, you could have taken care of her better, she was loyal, and she was, and, and you didn't, you know, a loyal good wife, and you didn't do, you know, and Clooney just sits there, and he, he just eats it, you know, he just goes, yeah, she deserved better, you're right, mm -hmm. that's a great scene. I'm it sorry. is well, and that's a typical Alexander Payne character. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't go for the big, you know, showy, you know, emotional, you know, confrontations. Yeah. He, he he avoids that, and and that's what I love because that, that's that's the way it would happen in real life. I mean, I, I you know a guy's not going to tell, uh, you know, his his father-in-law to fuck off in a hospital room when, you know, the guy's daughter's dying. Yeah. You know, it, it, that just doesn't happen in real life, and that's what I love about his movies. So. Yeah, but he he deserves to be in the Oscar conversation for sure. I mean, it's only two scenes, but man, does he he just kills it, you know. Did you guys happen to listen to Ann Thompson and Chris Tapley's last movie talk? I did not. No, no I, I, I need to uh, do that more. I haven't. Well, Chris is uh, in a very calm and but extremely passionate way. Feels that uh, I'm just switching over to the talk of um, Ides of March because. Uh, uh, <clears throat> You know, we were talking about Clooney. Uh, the uh, he is uh, so emphatically believes that this is total Oscar City. Uh, the um, yeah. March, mm -hmm. and um, I've been thinking about it, and I just think it's why can't a film just be uh, a uh -oh. satisfying, well-made political drama that you know, okay, that was good, and then walk out and on to the next thing in life. You know, why does it have to be a big Oscar thing? I, I just don't. It doesn't have to be. It's just that that's Chris's job, dude. <laughs> He's not sitting there going, I really had a great time on Saturday night. I saw this really awesome movie. Yeah, it was great. No, people pay him the big bucks so that he can hunt, you know, find what he thinks are Oscar movies and, you know, talk about them as Oscar movies and or champion them, you know. Um, that's giving me job. a generic thing, Sasha. What I'm saying is, there's nothing underneath that film other than there's oh. nothing there. Uh, it's just a, it's what you hear and what you see is what it is, and that's mm. it. Well, the Oscar race is just really about the movies it's that fun. they they like and the and the people that they want to honor. You know, it's not anything more than that. So, um, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. I, I think what Chris is saying is he thinks that that you know it has enough with popularity with Clooney and, and topical subject matter to be in the race, right? No, that's not it. I, all, nothing is talked about as an Oscar-worthy or award-worthy film unless it has what it delivers in the immediate moment. And then, it's, But what matters is the undercurrent, what it means, what it tells us, what it echoes to us about our lives, about our common experience, about our understanding of life. That's what makes quality films, not just that it delivers in a uh, you know, fit 
tastefully and very agreeably entertaining way as I believe the Ides of March is. It's a, it's a, I had no big issues with it, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have anything underneath it because it's not looking forward. It's echoing really the last three, four years of political life and what we all know about politicians and what the, that world is like. It's not telling us anything. It's not taking us in any new place. It's not underlining. It's not deepening the conversation. It's just saying, yep, that's the way it is, all right. Hmm. I, I disagree. I think it, like I said, I think, of, you know, we discussed it on the podcast last week. I mean, I think it's really speaking to the the Obama fatigue that's happening right now. And I think it's going to become increasingly, you know, relevant as we get closer to the election and, and people really start to look at what he's done and, and be disappointed about it. So I don't think it's just, you know, a, a politics as usual, you know, no big revelation here kind of movie. I, I really disagree. What is it about the George Clooney character who's um, sort of vaguely based on Howard Dean, sort of, kind of, uh, and partly on Clooney and, uh, and and Grant Hesloff's own political convictions. What is it about them, or what that character says, that reminds you, or has some kind of echo about Obama fatigue? Well, because he's got these great left, you know, left-leaning talking points. You know, every time you you see him talking in the movie, it's these things that sound great. You know, yeah. which is exactly what Obama says. And then you see him behind the scenes, and he's a, an asshole. You know, a completely you know unredeemable person. All he did was he had a moment of, of lust and weakness, and he's not looking to have it become common knowledge. What's so asinine about that? Um, I don't think it's that. I mean, I mean, agree with Phil. I think that he's what he means by Obama fatigue is that, you know, we started out with, with an unrealistic expectations of our president, and the Obama supporters really thought that they were going to see some miracles happen, and then they didn't. You know, and because it was politics as usual, Clooney's showing that he's not—he's—he's—he's he's, he's parting ways with the Howard Dean thing. He's going right for Obama. He's going right for the Democrats. And you know, I think it's smart. It's depressing as hell, but he's right on the money, and he's making the public culpable for their own ridiculous ideals. And he's saying uh, kind of a nihilistic message, which is, you know. If you want to, you know, politics is dirty. It's dirty, dirty, dirty. There, you know, even if you have somebody like Obama, it's still fucking dirty because he's got to take money from the Wall Street assholes, the lobbyists. You know, takes that money, doesn't even, and he becomes as corrupt as anybody else. And it doesn't matter who it is. You cannot get elected unless you are corrupt. That's what the movie's saying. Well, I'll, I'll accept that. And, and they're uh, saying that the and that the public is stupid because the public goes right along with it in their in their fantasy ideas of the perfect person. And then when that perfect person fails to live up to it, a they sleep with an intern. That's suddenly, not so bad, though. That's normal. That's, that's what the movie's saying, Jeff. The movie's saying that's it's ridiculous that people would hold our president Clinton, you know, up for impeachment because he got a blowjob in the Oval. <laughs> Yeah. And then lied about it, and then was recorded by Linda Tripp, and Monica Lewinsky kept the dress. You know, I mean, it's like they all pretend like it's all about him lying, when it was really about the sex. The movie makes that very clear, and that's why Clooney put that in there, and that okay. or Grant Hensloff or whoever did it, and it was brilliant. You know, but the problem I have with the movie, unfortunately, isn't my own opinion of it because I loved it. Yeah, fine. Is um, I mean, a good film. Yeah, but if you're talking about Oscars, you're talking about bad reviews from A.O. Scott, the New York Times, Kenneth Turan, the L.A. Times, Joe Morgenstern, the Wall Street Journal, 
those are some pretty heavy hitters to be panning a, a movie like that. You know, you don't really get an Oscar Best Picture nominee unless it's like The Blind Side, you know, um, with that sort of uh, baggage. So I don't know if Chris is paying attention to the reviews or not, but that was... He, he actually complained uh, during the same podcast to Anne. Said, I don't understand how why these guys are being so negative about this film. Why are they being so dismissive? It's a, uh, it's a very sharp, very, you know, what we're saying mm -hmm. here, a well-made film and a, and, a, and, a, and a good one to see and certainly nothing that f makes you feel burned and so on. But, but if you listen or read those reviews carefully, they weren't saying it was an uh, inept film or that they didn't have a, 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 you know, an engrossing time. They just said it didn't do anything new. It wasn't taking right. us anywhere, you know. It just, uh, it, you know, people said the same thing about Redford's uh, movie The Candidate in 72. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically Pauline Kael saying in an old uh, New Yorker review, uh, you know, that this movie just kind of reflects what's out there uh, that we all kind of know. You, you, you know, it, you keep saying to yourself, yep, that's the way it is, all right. And it just doesn't do anything other than just tell you that's the way it is. It's fine. It's, it's, it's you know, it, it doesn't make me feel undernourished, but I, I, it's not exceptional. It's not like, wow, it's not award level. So. Well, I, I don't know what you mean. I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. Well, no, I'd be surprised if I think it's just going to end up with an acting nomination one way or the other. And again, I'll, I'll go back to my Glengarry Glenn Ross comparison. You know, that, that didn't get nominated for Best Picture, but, you know, Al Pacino got the acting nomination. So for this, I could see, you know, either Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm -hmm. Paul Giamatti, or, or maybe even both um, walking away with the Best Supporting Actor nomination. And, you know, that's it. I, I think it's definitely in play there, but Best Picture, uh, you know. That's we'll interesting, see. yeah. Yeah, I mean. Because enough people have to vote it as number one of the year, right, for, for it to get in. And I don't see people Not, being that passionate to, to call it the number one of the year. So, it's, just the, it's the disease of the fall season, which is that you have to say whether it's an Oscar film or not. And if it isn't, as I am saying, it is not. Uh, then you sound like you're kind of putting it down, and I'm really not. It's just that it doesn't happen to be that kind of film. That's all I'm saying. It's it's fine to have movies like this. I really, really had a good time with it. I've seen it twice. Yeah. Uh, I, I disagree that it's not saying something new. I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I, who am I to question Kenneth Turan and those guys? They certainly know, you know, how to critique film better than I do. I'm just saying that I, it, for me as a citizen, maybe because I don't have all the sort of film history and knowledge that you and, and some of these guys have, it did feel like it was saying something new because it was saying something about right now. You know, and right now has never happened before. We've never had an Obama. We've never had a black president. We've never had people, you know. For what it's worth, Sasha, at the party that you and I attended at, uh, in Telluride, where George was holding court in the front and, and, and drinking with everybody, Chris included, and myself, he said to me that he, what he brought up was not any Obama echoes. He brought up a John Edwards echo. Right. Well, that's what the, the uh, Farragut North is supposed to be about. Oh, no, no, no. Farragut North is about Howard Dean. Yeah. I mean, Farragut North but, uh, did not get into the uh, presidential character, and, mm -hmm. and the whole thing about the intern did not. Uh, that was something that Grant and George added in their script. Yeah. Well, if he was trying to do John Edwards, I don't think he did a very good job, only because... Well, he was just echoing. He was saying that's already happened, so how can you say it's... People had said to him... Uh, he told me that 
um, you know, this is uh, seems a bit uh, risque or a bit excessive that a person, uh, you know, would would have an intern thing. And he says, "Well, look at look at look at Edwards. You know, that's all he was making. It's a minor but point." But she wasn't an intern. She was like a forty-something, you know, new agey, narcissistic, you know, filmmaker. I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying she was a lot different from the Evan Rachel Wood character. A and B. She she had that baby. Where John Edwards really went wrong, oh my God, the whole thing was horrible. But <laughs> the when it really went bad was when he tried to make that guy say that that was his kid, and then he really—that's when he really dug a hole for himself. This is so. You know, <laughs> it feels so wrong to me that we're about to see, uh, before too long, a book based upon uh, uh, a game change. The really well-written, well-reported uh, a book yeah. about campaign. And got into Edwards and the whole thing very thoroughly. And, you know, it was like, <laughs> you're reading it, and it's like, God, what a slime ball this guy. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the thing is like the difference between the character George Clooney. George Clooney plays a slime ball, you know, really and truly. But it's slimy to have simply, you know, had it off one time. Why is that so bad? I know, I mean, but see, what good. I don't get is how could people look at John? I mean, this is a horrible thing to say. God rest her soul. But how could people look at John Edwards and Elizabeth Edwards and not think that the guy was messing around? I mean, that's what's amazing to me is that people didn't think he was and that they think that he would have been that guy with that kind of charisma and those looks. Yeah. Please. You know, I mean, I was just stunned by that when people were surprised that he was having affairs. Oh, really? I, I know it's like horrible to say, and again, God rest her soul. But you can't have both. You can't have charismatic you know, sexy guy and totally faithful to his wife of 20 years or whatever it is when obviously there's no sex between them anymore, you know? So you, you can't Certainly, have both. Look, you look at them right away and you knew that it was at best if they were maybe like once a month or something, if that. If you know. that, but probably not. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I mean, they had those kids later in life, so maybe, yeah, you know, maybe. But... It, you just have to look at a guy. That's that's the funny thing about politics is to be that kind of charismatic guy, you got to have the same charisma as a rock star or a basketball player. Those guys have charisma, they have access, and they have power, and they have beautiful women around them all the time, you know? Phil so, has this uh, this this sense of, of loss right now because we're not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I've got my, got my frowny face on. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to get into box Just, office quick? If, then... Before we jump into it, one quick point I was going to make about game change. I find it so appalling that the stories that they are focusing on, based upon the casting, of, I haven't seen the film, of course, but based upon the casting, this is mainly about the Republicans. It's about Sarah Palin and 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 um, yeah, you know, um, uh, uh, and, and um, my, John, John McCain, and there's nothing going on with uh, Edwards. It's being ignored, they're, and they're ignoring Obama. There's no Hillary character, so it's kind of nuts. So I'm, I'm in like, the movie. Really, you mean? Huh? In the movie? Yes, the HBO oh. movie that uh -huh. uh, Jay, um, um, you know, um, who did the Jay Roach. Jay Roach. Uh, not you know not touching the uh, you know and then of course um, Aaron Sorkin is supposed to be doing a John Edwards movie and I don't know what has happened to that because that's one of his things that everybody's kind of waiting to see you know with maybe Tom Cruise as John Edwards I would love that yeah that would be great casting perfect yeah <laughs> but you know the thing is is uh, um, Elizabeth Edwards' death sort of 
changed that story because in Game Change, I'm pretty sure I didn't finish the whole thing yet. I want to finish it, but I'm pretty sure that um, that uh, she comes off as kind of a bitch in the book. <laughs> she doesn't come off as a, uh, um, a, 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 a you know wholesome beautiful person she comes off as a manipulative uh, sharp uh, you know person who wants what she wants and you know she's not a saint right and well i think that's one of the problems is how do you go there now not. Mean, she is a saint now she's become one so she's dead elizabeth edwards yes is that why she's a saint because she dies yeah well yeah and all the work she did throughout her career but everybody's sympathies were with her and not with him at all so if you want to do game change but why are we being so simplistic? Why can't a person be a, a person who had good, noble uh, ideals and, and was a good person in a civic way, mm-hmm. but behind the scenes was maybe not the greatest person or not a totally lovely person? You know. Yeah, or, again, it's like the Ides of March comes back to me. It's like you see a very kind of simplistic public, you know, that just wants things like a fairy tale. You know, they want good, bad, good, evil. <laughs> destroy the art of cinema and the art of drama. It's to play to the idiots out there who want simplistic reductions in their characters. This is a good person. That guy over there with the mustache is the bad guy. I mean, if you start looking at drama like that or tailoring things or acknowledging that that's a valid way to look at it, we're, you know, it kills, it kills everything. It kills the soul of what we're doing here if we start listening to that viewpoint. Yeah, well, I know, but that's just the way it is, unfortunately. No, but fuck them. You know, that's what I keep saying. We get This is our internal arguments, uh, Sasha. Uh, and I, you know, obviously with uh, due respect, I just think that those are the, that's the worst thing you can do is say, well, those idiots out there, uh, that's the way they see it, and that's what they want, and that's what tends to be popular, which is why we're going to see such a huge box office for War Horse when it opens up. It's that this kind of thing is what it's what sells, and it's, mm-hmm. it's really bad. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be stuck with a bomb on their hands, so they're not going to make something that makes Elizabeth Edwards. This is my guess. Elizabeth Edwards look bad because nobody will watch it, and they'll get not criticized. Bad, it make- just that she wasn't a pure saint. She had, she was who she was. You know, I, from what I know about her, what I've read about her in, in Game Change, I haven't read any other books about her. Uh, she wasn't. She was a pretty decent woman. I mean, I thought, you know, mm-hmm. she wasn't, uh, you know, Rebecca Sandbrook Farm, but she had a, uh, she had, you know, personality issues that were perhaps not not agreeable. But that yeah, doesn't yeah. mean that she's a bad person. That she, it just that's what makes good drama when you deliver the complexity of things. Right. I don't know what we're talking about here. I don't either. <laughs> I'm just saying that I know I mean I, I, I get the, the reasons why people maybe think it's too soon to start telling the truth about that story you know that's all um, it's like the two sooners in 9-11 you know somebody actually said <laughs> somebody said who talked to Stu Van Arisdale with movie line that he had seen uh, Yes, he had seen. He had seen. Extremely loud and incredibly close. This is one of the people that said that Max von Sydow is a guaranteed, you know, yeah, best supporting actor. He said it's too soon <laughs> to get into the, you know, the, the 9-11. And I said, 10 years later, it's too soon? Right. And of course it is. But I don't know about for that movie. I think that movie offers catharsis, and I think that's, you know, not too soon for that. So I think that it's it's not going to be what he thinks. I, I think he's saying, yeah, he's saying he doesn't want to just see the bodies and see the uh, the trauma all over again, you know. But um, I think they'll keep it to a minimum, probably, knowing that director, mm-hmm. compared to what that person said. I don't know. You can't go by what one person says. You just can't, you know. 
So, uh, so Phil, this weekend uh, we had um, <clears throat> it was it, this weekend box office wise it's being described as a relatively weak weekend. Uh, the victor being um, uh, Real Steel, and that was uh, because they spent a lot of money on marketing it, and it was a very expensive film. So it's actually being said that George Clooney's film. Uh, the Ides of March, which only cost $12.5 million with tax credits or something, is actually the more profitable and more successful film of the weekend. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's off to a nice start. I mean, $10.4 million might seem like a, a, a bad number, but it's not for something that George Clooney's in, and, and something like this obviously you know, skews older. Um, so it's appealing to moviegoers who don't rush out opening weekend. Um, so you're going to see this easily, you know, it, it, it'll hit 50 million, I think. Um, really? Because a multiple for this thing? Uh-huh, yeah, because, well, the, the comparison that Sony's throwing out, and I think it absolutely makes sense, is Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton opened to 10.3 million, and it ended up at 49. So this, to me, is in the, in the same league as that. It's the same kind of, you know, intelligent, um, you know, movie-going experience for adults. And, you know, I think it's also something that, you know, we can argue back and forth about whether it's an Oscar contender or not, but I think it's something that the, the, the public sees as an Oscar contender. They look at a movie like this and say, wow, that's, you know, they're going to remember that at the end of the year. And for that reason, more people are going to go out to see it. Um, and, you know, it's playing well. I mean, all the, uh, all the signs, all the word, you know, uh, indicators of buzz are, are positive. It's got 83% approval or I'm sorry, 82% on Flickster, um, and a B-plus for moviegoers under 25, which is good. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to hold up, and it's going to do well. Mm. Well, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I thought it was going to be, you know, the first uh, 10 million, and then I thought it would maybe, maybe make 30, you know, if that. That's pretty good. If a film triples its opening weekend, that's considered a relatively uh, good showing, and you're saying it's going to quintuple it. That's pretty good. So. Yeah. I, well, you know, who knows what can happen. But, I mean, the rest of, the, the rest of October is kind of, there, there's not a lot of Oscar bait in there. It's, you know, next weekend it's Footloose. The weekend after that it's Paranormal Activity 3. So I think all things considered, you know, without a lot of competition for that, you know, for the audience that's looking for something intelligent, right. um, you know, it, it'll hold up really well. Um, it yeah, goes yeah. without saying, uh, usually when it comes to uh, dumb movies or, or movies that are, you know, that uh, some, uh, a lot of times Sasha, particularly this uh, part of the year, she, she focuses on the good stuff. She wants to focus only on the good stuff. I completely sympathize and agree with her. However, uh, I, too, did not see Real Steel as I... <laughs> Did not see it. So, did you see it, Phil? I'm gonna check it out this week. I heard it's actually not that bad. That's what everybody keeps telling me, you know. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm curious. I'm gonna see it on uh, IMAX. And, Sasha, uh, I, I presume that your daughter has no interest in seeing this kind of thing, right? Nah, not probably not. I don't really want to see it. I have no reason to. So, there's nothing about it that interests me at all. You know, if I'm gonna have to pay out of my pocket to see it, nah, never. <laughs> I would have, um, I would have gone, but I don't think I was actually invited. I, think I, I know would. they wouldn't invite us. Are you kidding? <laughs> but, I, but if I do call and I say, "May I please see it?" They generally will say, "Okay." Yeah, maybe they just didn't think that you were gonna 
want you gotta to just see pull it. the uh you know find out when the screening is and just send them a note saying i would like to rsvp for the you know, yeah, yeah. On this date. that's Don't the even... trick <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be on to us like, soon oh, did we send it to them i guess we did okay. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they don't know <laughs> <laughs> they never know the difference no yeah, sometimes they so. do if it's like a one of those you know closely watched screenings but usually no no for something like real steel that's you know that's an all media thing and they've got tons of rsvps that yeah through and you can easily get in but um, unless it's full you know unless they're already full like i did that i tried to do that once and they were like you know oh you know you're not on the list <laughs> so phil what's happening is there anything else to talk about box office besides those two films and anything significant happen are no you... not really i mean th that's it and then yeah like i said october is kind of we hit a lull here in terms of oscar contenders that are opening Unless, you know, you guys think that the Footloose has a shot at a, mm. at a Best Picture nomination. Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, well, next weekend's actually The Skin I Live In. That opens. Um, I mean, but that's, you know, that's going to be platform. And, but it, it, still, it'll be interesting to see how that does on, you know, I, I'm assuming Sony Pictures will roll that out in, like, maybe 15 locations, something like that. Um, and, he, you know, Almodovar has a pretty good following. So that, that could do well next weekend. Can't miss a Pedro Almodovar film. You have to see because his even his somewhat lesser films, as I feel this is, it's still uh, so well made. He's so sensuous. His 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 uh, photography, the everything he chooses, it's such, it's such a high level of delivery. Uh, I always feel like I've seen something, uh, you know, really good, really Pedro-ish. So it's yeah. there's no such thing as a bad one from him. Yeah, that's good. He, Okay. Uh, Sorry. We're gonna do a, a quick. Uh, we're gonna do a thing with um, with Tom and Neil later at a hotel. Is that the idea? Yeah, we're gonna. I'll bring my computer. We'll try to record a like a, a live podcast from the hotel. Huh. Talk to him about stuff. See what's going on Hollywood. I'll bring my uh, my uh, headphones and everything. That'll be cool. And um, and guess what? I'm doing a Scott Feinberg uh, uh, podcast in about uh, an hour. Cool. Oh, okay. Cool. And he has delivered uh, in a much more disciplined way. Unlike, remember when we used to uh, send topics to each other? Now we just, you know, do the the old Oscar poker ramble, which I love. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he's sent me ten, his deal is half hour podcast, uh, ten topics, two minutes uh, or three minutes a topic, and you know, in other words, you know, discipline, discipline, and discipline. Okay, I can share that. Um, I gotta run, guys. Okay, uh, Phil. Nice talking to okay. you. Have a yeah, good one. Again. I'm sorry. Phil. Bye. Thanks, man. Take Bye. care. Uh, Scott, let's talk about uh, Hugo. It's, what am I talking about? I just pronounced it as if I was from <laughs> Pedro Almodovar. <laughs> Hugo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I like that Hugo. That was a good movie. <laughs> uh, that's the assumption that it's going to be Hugo, and I. Didn't feel that badly about it, but a guy wrote me and wrote me having seen it in mid-September and uh, said it was actually a very personal film and it's actually a real Scorsese film in some respects. And he thinks that kids, uh, families, will be going to be a little bored to it because it's really for cineasts, which is uh, sounds cool. So yeah, that's awesome. That's great. I can't wait to see it. Um... And I presume that now that they have begun to, they will if they show it. I say we we don't know, of course, but uh, if they do then I'm presuming they'll start um, showing it to folks like us out here also because if it is, as this guy says, more of a cineast film than it is a family film or a kid's film, then uh, you definitely want to get the word out with, with people like us um, 
early and because uh, it's it, it obviously uh, serves their purposes to have that happen. Okay, so we're recording. Yeah, Jeffrey Wells, Tom O'Neill, Sasha Stone. Sound, you can see your sound waves here, and so I if can you see the sound waves. Around a little bit. And okay. Then, is there anything behind this so I can show? It's coffee. It's just coffee. And uh, we're basically going to talk. Uh, this is part two of uh, um, Oscar poker. We're going to talk initially about what I'm calling Oscar Ball, which is uh, Tom's. Uh, in-depth sabermetric way of analyzing the... Not to be confused uh, with Oscar's balls. <laughs> of analyzing the Oscar uh, winners, so which... Uh, call it Oscar Ball. I promise, Sasha, I will not call it Oscar Ball. Okay. That is a cool name, whether you realize it or not. It doesn't... What, you have Oscar genitalia, that's what you get when you hear that? How about ball, or having a ball, a good time, you know? No? Yeah, I don't like it. What, but what the point that Jeff is making is that the new Gold Derby is set up uh, to aggregate these projections and predictions in a way, just like Moneyball. Right. And uh, and I, I hope that's the case. This is a place where the users are now empowered to compete against us alleged experts and tell us that we're wrong. There are three sets of predictions at the site. There are the experts, all of us. There are my editors of the site have a separate voice, and then all of the users pipe in. And the three are combined and aggregated into racetrack odds that are applied when you go in and make your own predictions, and then you decide to wager 100 points or two or 500 points on best supporting actor. And then at the end of the whole cycle, we issue points just like fantasy football. So the idea is, is no more should we, any of us, be victims of some tyrant Oscar blogger like us <laughs> saying this or that. This is now taking everybody's opinion in a comparative way so that we might get some insight on it. All. And there's also, even in the narrow uh, one-third portion of the, of the Oscar Bowl thing, which is um, uh, people like us who are you know, bloggers, columnists, whatever, there's many, many more people in this group than there are in the uh, Movie City News' uh, Gurus of Gold, correct? Right, right. David is taking a more selective approach with a ten, one, maybe yeah, 12, 8 to 10 people whatever. there. And here we now have about 30. I think we're going to go as high as 50. Really? Yeah, <laughs> why not? The so question is, should I add celebrities? Do people like Kathy Griffin want to be in on this? <laughs> and that might be a nice little addition. The idea is to provide as many perspectives. I would say definitely talent, if really? you can, sure. Okay. Uh, but maybe in their own... Why would there be a category? I don't want them polluting my odds. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we will keep the riffraff at the door. But the, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is we want multiple perspectives, and then we want them compared in a scientific right. way right. to learn something. But the cool thing that people should know, that what they don't know about it, is that it's this own content management social networking site now. And that when you go on and you make your predictions, you basically have your own place on Gold Derby. And you can friend other people, like you can friend me, you can friend Jeff, you can friend Tom. And, um, and you can compare your predictions, you can keep changing them, you can make, you know, have discussions. It's really cool. I mean, it's like, a, it's like your own kind of Oscar blog online. Mm -hmm. It's Facebook meets Oscarology meets uh, fantasy football. The whole idea right. is to take the gaming idea and apply it as well. And as uh, Sasha and I have said, someday down the road, it would be delightful if you could apply this whole sabermetric system to a uh, rating uh, 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 site for movies coming out as they uh, release, uh, a la Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. I would love that because that would be uh, much, I would feel that I was getting a more accurate, a comprehensive picture. The question is, does that dilute the, the narrow casting view of this as an award site? 
uh, or does it enhance it? It enhances it because box office and reviews affect awards. Okay. So here's the center. The meat of it is awards. And then over here is your box office predictions yeah. mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. projections and charts and analysis. And over here are the reviews, latest reviews. You'd be outgunning Rotten Tomatoes You'd and Medicare. All right, dude. Cock-blocking. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for that. Well, thanks for the nice words. Uh, we have the basics up there now. In the next few weeks, you're going to be able to see charts, too, where all this compares week to week and how the needle drops and, and rises. It'll be fun to watch. It really will be, and it'll be fun to participate in. All right. And you can change your predictions now, Sasha, at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, <laughs> when you go, oh, oh my God, the King's Speech is going to win, isn't it? Shit. But you could do that. If, if we only had this capability last year, you could have, as you felt the momentum for the King's Speech going, you could have changed it at 10 minutes before the Oscars started, before we cut off our oh. <laughs> Then you could have been right. But you know what? Me and Jeff, we knew he was going to win, and we decided to go down with the shit. That's what I felt. I did that. I can't go along on, with this. On the goal, on the um, social network. Both. On. Yeah. That is why, barring some filmmaking miracle from Spielberg, I'm going to go down with the ship on even if War Horse is going to win. I, I've decided, <laughs> without having seen it, that I'm not going to, I can't lend my enthusiasm to this film. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> That's what we love about you, Jeff, an open mind. But you got to see the movie first. You can't preach it. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Unless you hate Spielberg. I mean, if you hate him, it's one thing. Like, hate the man. His tendencies are abhorrent, I feel. <laughs> Not his abilities. His abilities are incredible. But you were all into you No, know, we've seen some amazing things from him. But increasingly, let's be honest, uh, since Schindler's List, which is 94, his tendencies have been right in the sentimental toilet, and he doesn't really have a lot of control. Yeah, I thought that War of the Worlds was the, was the coup de grace. That was the end. <laughs> as far as, you know, you know, the, the teenage son decides to kill himself, literally, by going off to fight yeah. the Martians with no weapons right. in the middle of this death field. Yeah. And at the end, he comes back, and he's fine. It's not a bad... That was ridiculous. So after Schindler's List, he never, 1993, he hasn't made a great film since then? Has well, he not? Not anything with any real discipline that I was really impressed with. I Help was, me here. We were all impressed. I'm thinking Munich. Uh, what else did he make? Munich had that. Oh, and Catch Me If You Can. Mm -mm. Yeah. Not so good. Okay, pretty good. Jurassic Park 14. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amistad. Amistad. Yeah, I don't know. The War Horse, to me, like I told you early on, I, I, I think that it can't lose. I'm not saying it's going to win Best Picture, because I don't think it will. It's so but handsome. I'm saying it's that, so awash in, no, in no, emotion. Story, you can see it. You know? But the story is, all he has to do is stay out of the way of the story, and it will sell itself, because it's such a good play, and it's such a good book. Well, what do you feel the viewpoint of Roger Durling and others who have seen it, that the story is actually hey, on, on stage? Oh, on stage, oh, right. right. And it's very, very threadbare. There's not a really that great a story. It's a fairly simple, almost simple-minded story. Right, because the story. thing about yeah. the stage show was the puppets. Right. The puppetry was the dazzling thing. And even though it won Best uh, best Play at the Tony Awards, nobody got an acting nomination. Very telling. That's telling, because it's all about the horse. But that's okay. Spielberg's movie is going to be all about the horse. I just think that it does the film a disservice to assume it's going to win Best Picture before anybody sees it, because it sets it up to unrealistic expectations. It's it's probably got a good chance, but I don't think even the studio thinks that they have the best picture winner on their hands with that. They no, might. No, they wouldn't be that foolish to, to even think that, but I, I sense that the, the only emotionality is so... Uh, it's like a huge wave coming. You can feel it. And people are going to 
say that's the thing I feel the strongest about. Maybe, but right now, but we've been doing this now. I've been doing it for 13 years. Tom's been doing it for 13 I've never seen a movie start out the year as the favorite and win. If I had been doing this in 1993, I probably could have called Schindler's List before anybody had seen right. it. Right, and American Beauty stayed out front its whole year, but it is rare that that happens. But right. before it ever even opened, would people have predicted it? No, they never would have. That's true. Okay. Never. Schindler's List is the only one I can think of where they would have saw it on paper. and so, Even Titanic, everybody thought it was going to be L.A. Confidential. What is the other big emotional play movie that we haven't seen that's coming down? Which is Extremely I'm, loud. Yeah. And right. Well, the, 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 the impression that it was given to me by the young lad who, as you say, may be a plant, let's say he might not be is that he you can feel the you can feel the gear you can hear the gear is working you can feel the manipulation and it's uh, effective to a point he's not saying it's junk or that he's not a pretty good film but you know it's just not a, a it's not a strike in bowling terms well, they're but not. Max they're not is a strike. But they're not voting on the best picture of the year. They never have. The point is, is that it could well, I mean, it could come down this year to yeah. Scott Rudin and Harvey Weinstein again. And if that does, and it usually is in recent years, then that's the artist versus extremely loud, or the artist versus Moneyball. Which pick your Rudin movie, right? <laughs> the artist is going to be tough to beat because everybody loves it. Mm -hmm, everybody mm -hmm. loves it. And it it's hasn't different. Even opened yet. It's different. I've, I saw it at Toronto. It's it's lovely. It's a little thin and it's lightweight, thin. Yes. but it's so different. And I think. The mantra across Hollywood is going to be all year, uh, all season, it's going to be, oh, I really liked this movie, but I loved the artist. It's got a little dog mugging into the uh, screen. This is all I heard in, in Telluride. Mm -hmm. And That's it has a slumdog ending. It has this a surprise, uplifting ending where you go, oh, that was charming. And it sends you out and on the a dog. high. And the dog, come on. The dog, it's all about the dog. you got to get a category for the dog. And, the palm and again, dog. I, I ask, is there any, it's, it's a, it's a, Fairly, it's kind of a trifle. It's a very beautiful trifle. Wasn't the sting a trifle, Jeff? I mean, yes. sometimes yes. Uh, the trifle is okay. It has a message that's very powerful, which is it's an homage to old Hollywood. Oh, yeah. It is and a man's and movies. And it this is remember this is a film that has been remade many times as What Price Hollywood? Uh, Twenty four versions of A Star Is Born. Right. It's really a replay of that story, of that yeah. classic story. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it. At a time now when internet and everything is threatening old Hollywood, we see old Hollywood threatened by the invasion of sound and what that meant on a human scale, and it's very touching. Now, if it doesn't perform with any group other than, say, 40 and plus... The film critics group will never pick it, no. And, it, and I think we learned in recent years, box office may not matter. Look at The Hurt Locker. Okay. He's right that film critics won't, and the reason is that it's not going to be hip enough or right. cool enough right. or distinctive enough. They're probably going to go more for, like... Dragon tattoos, shame, um, you know, these... Best picture-wise? No, I'm talking the about the critics, critics. The gritty New York film. Oh, oh yeah, right. the critics on the line. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they'll go for shame. No, we're going to see a split this year. Yeah, we'll probably see... I think because there was so much unanimous uh, support behind the social network and it lost at the Oscars, I think what you're going to see this year is not unanimous support. I think it's going to be all over the place. Everybody's That's why this is a great year, you guys, because we have suspense, we have all the glamour pusses back, we have George Clooney and Leo and Brad, we have Meryl Streep back, and we mm. missed her last year. You mm -hmm. can't have an Oscar season without Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> so we have suspense plus Close. this great cast. And she's around next Close. year also. We already know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So or, it's gonna, uh, it's, whatever it is, Osage it's a year County. to be very excited. Yeah. It's a year to be excited. Yeah. It's, you know, for me, it's really kind of hard to get excited because every time I start to do my thing where I start to look back at last year and I start to compare and contrast and, 
context, I have to face last year. Yeah, I know. And I it's know. so depressing, and nobody else feels that way. And every time I start talking about it, it's just like everything grinds to a halt. So, and it's like zero comments. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's like I'm Citizen Kane standing there, the only one clapping in the audience, you know, yeah. and then Susan's singing and, you know. In Citizen Kane, where she's oh yeah, 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 but, but and he's embarrassed because he's the only one standing there clapping, and I, I need to just shut up about it. I know that, but at the same time, I always look at the current Oscar year through the lens of the previous Oscar year, right. and the effects of last year, I think, are going to be the critics are going to be like <laughs> they just had an orgy, and now it's the next day, and they're acting like they don't know each other. Right, right. So right, it's right. like LA is going to be different from New York. It's going to be different from national society. They're not going to align behind one. What self-respecting critic do you know that really cares whether the Academy has validated his or her viewpoint? They uh, care in in a way. They pretend not to, but but they do care. I don't think they care. Like, um, as in, they think that 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 uh, that it's lesser on the movie that the Academy didn't vote, but they think that what they say is the best film should be acknowledged and honored. You know what I mean? Like they should agree with them because they they have the better opinion, right? Okay. I don't know. What do I know? But, Sasha, you're taking this too seriously. You know that the reason we love the Oscars is it's a window into Hollywood. Nobody thought Gladiator was the best movie of the year. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody thought that Nicole Kidman gave the best performance of the year with her three minutes in the hours in a plastic nose. Nobody. Come on. about, what, 20 minutes, really? Maybe. Right? All right. But the yeah. point is, you know, we learn things. Like, look at the year of Brokeback Mountain. It had an unprecedented number of Best Picture wins, 26. No movie in history had ever had that many going into Oscar night. On Oscar night, it went screenplay, it wins director, all of the awards it's supposed to win for Best Picture. Jack Nicholson opens that envelope and goes, You <laughs> <laughs> learned something about Hollywood. You know, we heard Tony Curtis and, and other Academy members like Ernest Borgnine saying, yes, with this whole gay thing, and they were like, oh, they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. But you learn things. Speaking of gay things, you know, the only time a gay... Uh, movie can win anything is if they die or they're killed you know like Sean Penn has to get shot a straight person has to play the gay person first of all, the first of all thing is that Tom, Tom Hanks cannot be a gay <laughs> but this, this tells us stuff about Hollywood that's fascinating but it's one of the most striking endings because it's really not about someone dying it's about someone who realizes he's completely blown it right that was one of the saddest endings, the most moving endings. How many people do you know whose life is like that? Right, right, right. That's, that's, but that's, their that's, failure to go with the social network last year told us everything about Hollywood because it, that movie creeped them out. It was about a bunch of people in, in media screwing each other over. This is what Hollywood voters, Academy members, do every day of their lives. It just got <laughs> under their skin, creeped them out, and had to go for the warm, fuzzy movie. The movie that makes them feel good about humanity. Yes. Even though it was took place in the 1930s in Britain about a king. But anyway. A hollow king who wasn't equal to his throne, who had a, who had a, you know, a, a detriment. And that's how they feel. They yeah. feel like they're not equal to their, their power base here. And they're right. Yeah, and you know, The King's Speech was a really good movie. It wasn't a it bad was. movie it was at a all. It was a wonderful movie. It was a very movie. good movie. And the performances were brilliant in it. It just wasn't exceptional. But I think you're right. I don't think they look at it like that. They just pick what they like. Every actor knows that as, as you move up the ladder and you get more and more uh, successful in your career, sometimes you have to shuck the manager or shuck the agent who has not grown with you. So that was, uh, you know, that was what happened in the social network. It's just a hard lesson about what happens when the big time comes in, the big stage gets bigger. So I'm just saying it's it's right and everybody knows what it's about and, yeah. and you're saying they're uncomfortable with the fact that they fire their I think, managers I think what, what I, I tend to sometimes look at with the Oscar race and it was it was emphasized with the last few films that have won Best Picture yeah. um, you have to go back to Crash to find to me a weaker 
Best Picture winner than The King's Speech. Yep. You have to go all the way back to Crash. And King's mm -hmm. Speech, to me, and to, especially its director, Tom mm -hmm. Hooper, winning was one of the low points in Academy history. Right. Whatever you think of those two movies, Tom Hooper was not the best director last year. No. Whatever you think, David Fincher, by far, was the best producer, oh, yeah. director of the year. But for the Academy and DGA to go for Hooper, that was insulting. I know, because to me, yeah. the DGA Awards and the Oscars are should be about the craft of filmmaking. Yes, yes. And yeah. that's where Social Network had it all over the King's mm -hmm. Speech, the writing, the directing, right. everything about it was just crap. But it doesn't matter because emotions override all of them. Mm -hmm. So in the end, it's not really about the craft of filmmaking. That's not what the Oscars are about. They're much more like the People's Choice Awards. Really. Absolutely. You know? So what I want to see happen, of course, is I want to see Descendants beat Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> what about Moneyball? Are you throwing Moneyball? Oh, no, no. If, I love it. I don't just, I just believe with Tapley and people like that, it's probably not going to... Um, Really? You believe with Tapley? You're going to take Tapley's word over my word? <laughs> well, why, is only, why is there only one person, i.e. moi, saying that the Moneyball is a, is a likely Best Picture candidate? Not even you are saying I am absolutely it. saying It's on Sasha's okay. list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you All kidding right. me? I've been arguing with Chris Tapley about it on Twitter. Okay. Don't you follow us? The All thing right. is, is that uh, I, I'm trying not to overdo it on hype with oh, that movie. that's very smart. Because I, I don't want to kill right. it, but I think it has a really good shot. I've been wa quietly watching it, watching its box office, watching how people review it, how they talk about it. I think yeah. it's totally captured the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. It was on Saturday Night Live. A.O. Scott just wrote an editorial about it this morning. With um, I didn't read that. What's yeah, it it's about, What's it about? Uh, it's about inside baseball. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, and, and we as, like, you know, Oscar people can kind of be included in that. He okay. would never write about us, but what we do is sort of like we kind of insert ourselves into the awards machine and, and present it to our readers as inside baseball. But okay. he's talking about Ides of March with politics, contagion with, um, you know, whatever they do in the government for disease mm -hmm. control or whatever you call mm -hmm. it, virus protection. <laughs> I don't even know. What and then Moneyball with baseball and, and this idea of, like, the people feeling like they're part of this inside world. And Bennett Miller has the cachet to win DGA if, if it gets oh, that yeah. kind of momentum. It could happen. I, I feel like director right now, it's Fincher, um, for prestige and owed and cool enough to win. Just forget about last year. You have to just forget about last year for a minute. Right, right, right. But Bennett Miller, I, I think Alexander that they're going to be a little bit embarrassed, a little bit, not a lot, about their pick last year for director. Just a little bit. So they might want to pick someone a little more prestigious. So there's, there's Alexander Payne, there's Bennett Miller, and there's David Fincher. Those are the three, like... Super cool directors. No, Stephen um, Not to dispute, but no. why did you say automatically that? that <laughs> let's say that, that Spielberg trick, does the trick and Warhorse appears. It turns out to be more than what the trailer promised, which is you know you're going to get really messed up emotionally by it. What if he does it really well? Why did you guys already say, forget Spielberg, he can't? No, I think he, I, think, I have it you in first place. That? I think it's uh, uh, the front runner right now, but I'm not. But I have my same, it's the same suspicions that you do. Okay. My suspicion right. is we, we have, every year, the same story plays out. The movie we think is going to be the Oscar movie isn't. So okay. I don't see how. It's going to have to be really, really good because it's going to have to overcome expectations plus be better than everything else. It has a handicap to it. The artist doesn't have to live up to that because the artist is totally being underestimated, intentionally so, by the way. Yeah. 
to fly under the radar. Okay. It's just totally Harvey Weinstein's style, which he did beautifully with the King's Speech last year. He loved it that people were overhyping the social network. I know, I know. Every time social network won another award, you know Harvey Weinstein was so happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Because if King's Speech had won all those awards, social network might have won Best Picture. <laughs> it's just the way people, you know, that feeling of wanting to be contrary, you know, uh. and not wanting to do what people want you to do. And so he's playing... Artist right now is is deliberately being played on the outside. He's got to wait till it opens. He's got to see how much money it makes. If it makes anything near fifty, sixty million, then he's got. I don't think it even needs to make that. I think remember Dave Carger's calling this to win, and Dave knows his Oscars. And but he hasn't seen everything yet, so he can't. That's true. Right. Uh, What does he foresee it doing commercially, Dave? He's he's calling for the artist. Uh, He was the. Right from the beginning, and of course he was right from the beginning picking King's Speech last year. And hung on to it. And hung on to it. He was one of the few, and uh, if not the only. He might have been in the end. Well, Ann Thompson claimed she held on to it the whole year, didn't she? I don't she? think she did. Okay. I think she switched. Well, she Steve, Steve Pond dropped it for one week, and then had the... <laughs> he, he, the gurus that week was so funny, because they, they all like had it, and then, and then something happened. It was like, suddenly, And then finally they gave up on it, and suddenly the momentum returned. <laughs> as they, the one week they changed their mind, and yeah. then kicked themselves. I know they were. Why does Dave Carger feel that Spielberg is not the, the horse? Uh, I don't think he's dismissing Spielberg. I think he sees the power of the artist. It's oh. a movie with a message yes. about Hollywood. It's got the heart of the King's speech. And everybody it's different. It. And there is a theory of, of, uh, of awards that is very, very telling, at the, whether it's the Grammys or the rest of it. And it's the apples and oranges theory. If you're the one orange in the creative apples... Uh, then you win very often. Okay. You know how often it is that we have. That's so four, right on the money. We have Tom. four British actresses, and then the one American wins, yeah. or that reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the apple and the among the oranges. The other thing is is the time. Like coming out of the King's Speech, it's like we're we're in like the feel goody kind of. Because when times are tough, people look to feel good movies. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we're kind of out of the cynical dark. They're not going to in depressing times pick a depressing movie to win. Never. They're going to pick something uplifting. So it has a really good shot, but so does War Horse, so does Extremely Loud. And so does The Descendants. The Descendants is a Descendants. real movie with a real message in George Clooney. It's a well-crafted film. But you you feel that, that The Descendants doesn't quite have uh, and enough big moments. But it does have good it has scenes. the big moments. I don't know if it's going to have legs among moviegoers. Oh. And maybe that doesn't matter anymore after Hurt Locker, <laughs> which... Technically, lost money up till Oscar night, right? Yeah, I think that they uh, they look to those years with a little bit of embarrassment. The years where they picked movies and nobody watched the telecast, and you know, it, 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 they were criticized for for judging movies that the public didn't see and didn't even hear about and didn't know. And so you can feel with the King's Speech a return to well, we're going to go with the public's choice here, you know. And I think that. Um, that's going to be the trick with the artist. I think they're going to need it to be broader. It's going to have to be a little more universal. However, it is a movie that fits the Oscar rule of you could sit anybody down in front of it. Anybody. Kid, grandma, mom, dad, grandpa, gardener, dishwasher, My understanding of my kids' taste is that you could not sit them down in front of them. Your kids may be a little different because you're different. Oh, they just, I just, I, I've been speaking, trying, I've been getting on them all my life to get them to appreciate beautiful black and white films and they always reject it even to this day did and they see the artist no oh okay well, that's I'm what I'm saying, saying. You they sit have an aversion to black and white yeah they're not going to be silent on top of that they're not going to be able to help themselves with the artist it's that kind of movie it charms the pants off I'm not off saying it's it. not charming and it's a very yeah. very it got me I mean it's it, the romance of that era and the silver screen 
but they just don't want to know from, but if you from put, black and white. But if you put Jet in front of that movie, he's going to love it. Betcha. I'm not saying they won't appreciate it, dig it, but I think there's something innate. It's like me in silence when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't want to see silent film. It took right. me a long time when I got older to finally watch my Way Down East and finally watch my, you know... The, yeah. The, um, but I, if the word of mouth continues, as it did in Telluride and as it did in Toronto, and people keep saying, everybody that I talk to, have you seen the artist? It's all it's about so echoing good. into other artist? things that it have is. already touched it. It doesn't have its own thing. It echoes into Star is Born. It echoes into You know what? Uh, it's just uh, a good Hollywood movie. Lore. You can't yeah. explain why. It just works on every level. It's, 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 a, it's a, you know... And it's a French person's movie. It's about, got that you know, exotic French element, which makes it a little more respectable than it would be if it was an American. But it was, was filmed American. here in Hollywood, so I mean, it has... It's filmed in Hollywood. Yeah. And it's charming as hell. It's totally charming. Look, we know what, what wins Oscars, and that is the buzz around town where everyone goes, oh, the Herlocker, oh, the... It, there's a herd mentality. We see it with them yeah. copying the Guild Awards. It's all about what everybody else is doing. And as much as the Oscars deny it, they're trying to jump ahead of all the other awards because they're so embarrassed to be exactly. rubber-stamping the others. That's right. And the one movie that... If you try to imagine the voice... Uh, the voices around this town in a couple months when Oscar season peaks, what are they going to be saying in these parties across town? Oh, I loved fill in the blank. The only movie I can hear them saying that about is The Artist. Who's the director of The Artist? Quick. I what, can't pronounce I it. I, call, I call him The Artist Guy. <laughs> <laughs> the artist guy. <laughs> I say Alexander Payne, David Fincher, The Artist Guy. Michelle, uh, five syllables, starts with H. Okay. Right? Something like that? Okay. Thanks. I don't know, but um, I don't know. There are little things that could happen along the way to throw it off, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it seems like uh, it's got a really good chance it's going to be a very robust, very strong Oscar contender for sure. I think Moneyball is right up there with it. I think yeah. it's going to do really well. Extremely close, The Descendants. They're all real strong contenders to win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the ones that, the only thing I I hesitate to say are like the movies we haven't seen yet. Like, we haven't seen Extremely Loud. We haven't seen War Horse. We haven't seen We Bought a Zoo. We haven't seen Dragon Tattoo. All those movies are still huge question marks. We just have no idea. Because we walk out of that screening and just say, no way is that movie going to win. You know? Okay. I think we've covered it. Jeff needs to go. <laughs> okay. He doesn't uh-huh. want to stay here and talk anymore. Well, we already did 40 minutes as it is, which you have to cut into pretty heavily. 28 minutes. Okay. We are, we are the, uh, the long-form, uh, the, the, for sure. The Scott Feinberg has his half hour, and Chris and Ann, they stick to half hour. So I love our thing, but we got to... But there's one of our editors, Rob... <laughs> can't do 90 minutes. <laughs> Rob LeCurry, one of our editors, takes your podcast and downloads it. He and his wife take these drives and listen to it on the car yeah. radio. And he yeah. Me and Jeff? Yes, yes. No way, that's so funny. So driving across the flatlands of Australia is, is Rob and his wife, uh, Paula, listening to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's so funny. funny, Jeff. People do, like, when I don't put them up, they write me, where's your podcast? I am jonesing already for it this week. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they like to listen to us, Jeff. We're just crazy. It's good. It's very <laughs> conversational and fun and yeah. full of giggles and all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, just really quickly before you leave, what, what about the Ides of March? I know you already shot your wad with Scott Feinberg, but do you want to talk about it? <laughs> I think it's... Um, uh, I don't see why it has to be... A, Put into the hopper as an awards contender. I don't think it's got enough undertow to it. I think it's uh, a very satisfying. I've seen it twice and had a good time with both times. I love each and every performances, uh, particularly uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's. But I don't think it has enough gravitas, or it's, uh, I don't think it has enough. Uh, so special. I don't think it echoes enough in my life, or uh, it's just telling us things that we 
understand completely about the rancid nature of politics. Mm. So Chris Tapley tweeted today, picture, director, actor, screenplay, nominations. Mm. It could happen. It's, I don't think it's in the running to win. Five director nods sl slots, though. You really think that Clooney can make the cut? I guess if anybody well, can, look, it's, it's a good night. Good luck got in. That was yeah. a surprise to me. Yeah, but I looked back at the reviews of that, and they were stellar. The problem with Ides of March is Kenneth Turan, L.A. Times, oh, yeah, Scott, Scott, all those, yeah. Joe Morgan Stern, Wall Street Journal, okay. New York Magazine, Edelstein. So, I don't know. Doesn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> 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 well, it was great talking to you guys. We didn't say where we were sitting, did we? We didn't say that yet. Where we are right now? Okay. In the historic Sunset Tower Hotel on Sunset Boulevard, just off the Strip. Formerly known as the Argyle. That's right. And formerly, formerly known as something else way back when. And this is where the Vanity like Fair Oscar party is. This right. is where Howard Hughes lived in the... Uh, uh, penthouse Tower before he moved to the penthouses of Vegas. <laughs> and who else lived here? Uh, John Wayne, uh, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, and it's been a deco modern uh, <laughs> palace all along. It's really beautiful. I mean, the um, upstairs rooms, the curved windows, the de it's really sublime. Yeah, it's a lovely yeah, place. It's yeah. beautiful. And we've been sitting here in the, um, like the little restaurant at first by the pool, glittering yeah. David Hockney-esque pool. Mm. Yeah. And then we moved into the lobby area to, to record our podcast, right? right? So, and just as a star tours was pulling up outside. Mm -hmm. And so. Sasha will be posting her pictures of the hummingbirds yeah. kissing <laughs> the bougainvillea by the pool later on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it's been fun, guys. It's great talking to you. Thanks. Good luck with Gold Derby. We're going to be watching and participating and very excited about it. Thanks. Uh, we, 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 I'm going to be monitoring your predictions now and your point scores, too, because it's all about uh -oh. you know not just getting it right, but get, betting your points yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm going to lose big on that. <laughs> I'm going for accuracy now. Okay. That's my... I'm going to voting with your heart this year, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now we're keeping score this year, <laughs> so you got to vote. you got to bet, yeah, predict to win. i got to be hardcore <laughs> this year. I'm, gonna I'm not going to get hardcore 500 points on anything until, like, November, late November, yeah. December. But I think once people get an idea of what, what you have there at Gold Derby, it's going to be the most addictive awards site online, I think. Yeah, well, thanks. It's going to be yeah. a while for people to, to find it and to see what it's all about. And once they do, they're going to be returning every day. Excellent. Yeah. Hope so. so. Good deal. Thanks. All right, guys. Okay. Nice talking to you. Bye. You've been listening to episode 51 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com, and Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com with special guest Tom O'Neill and his newly launched GoldDerby.com. Our bumper music was Sex Bomb by Flipper, starting things off, and The Cranberries with Hollywood. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Music